This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 328. Wouldn't it be lovely if we could be our own biggest supporters? The reality is, the things we say to ourselves, we would never say to another human being. That and more is what we're going to tackle in today's episode with Dr. Don Booz. Let's exterminate your ants. Determine your internal and external self-talk and figure out the questions you can ask yourself to show up as your best as we explore, is your mind lying to you on this Star Coach episode? Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's fabulous to have you here. We're diving into one of my favorite talks today, which is thinking about our thinking and how we can actually undermine ourselves by the way that we engage with our minds. The question we ask is, is your mind lying to you? That is the question that Dr. Don Booz brings to the show today. And I'll tell you more about Dr. Booz and our topic in just a minute. If it's your first time to the show, welcome. The Star Coach Show is all about strategies, tools, and resources that can help you Bring your impact as a coach, as a leader who uses coaching in your leadership style. Bring your impact into the world in a bigger way. How can you do that? Well, by strengthening your curiosity, by listening more deeply, by asking questions, and really engaging with the people that you connect with in your life. So the Star Coach Show is here to help you explore those things. How can we build our skills, create businesses that really allow us to do what we love, and change organizations through the concept of coaching? My name is Meg Rentschler. I have been coaching for 15 years, and I've also had the honor of training and mentoring over a 1,000 coaches over this past 15 years. As we explore how we want to show up as a coach, there are many different avenues to get us there. And our expert guests here on the Star Coach Show share their expertise to help open our minds to new possibilities. My guest today is Dr. Don Booz. He is the founder of Booz and Associates Incorporated, which is an executive and organization development firm. While he is educated as a marriage and family therapist, much like I was, he is also an executive coach, he's a master coach in conversational intelligence, and a master practitioner in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. He's best known as a conversational anthropologist. Dr. Booz is the author of two books we're going to be diving into today, his book, Your Brain is Lying, How to Silence Your Inner Critic. He's also the author of The Emotional Intelligence Primer for Today's Leaders, How to Be the Difference That Makes the Difference. In today's show, we're going to dive into so many aspects 
around the stories we tell ourselves and the way we can get in our own way and how to get out of our way. Dr. Booz is going to give us some specific strategies that you can begin applying today during the interview and carry forward. So with that, let's go to my interview with Dr. Don Booz. Dr. Don Booz, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am so excited to spend time with you this morning. Sure, I'm glad to be here. Excellent time. We are going to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart because I believe it is sort of at the crux of the way we show up, the way that we talk with others, the way we feel about ourselves. It's just the crux of so many things. And that's the limiting beliefs that we have or And then messages that we've been taught, how are they impacting us now? Are they serving us? Are they not serving us? What do we do with those? I mean, we're going to go through all of that. This is based on also this beautiful book you have, Your Brain is Lying, How to Silence Your Inner Critic. I mean, what a powerful title right there. So as we think about the concept of limiting beliefs and how we want to be aware of those, where do we want to start? I think with ourselves, you know, what, what are my limiting beliefs, where they come from? I was told many things growing up and I had to reprogram myself in order to get through that and to be as successful as I am now. It's estimated we, by age 18, even in a relatively healthy family, we received about 186,000 negative uh, messages. And those are just different things. I have a six-year-old daughter and I'm paying attention to how her parents are raising her and the messages they are giving her. Thankfully, I read my books that are trying to get out of some of that stuff and reprogram it in a different way. Uh, For me, it was, um, I would be walking along in life and I would hear these things in my head. Where where did that come from? And we never know. I never knew. Mm-hmm. where they were coming from, but they've been part, our brain listens to everything that happens in our life. And I believe the quality of our life comes from the quality of our thinking. And our thinking, I believe, comes from our self-talk. And until we get a hold of what the self-talk is actually saying to us, uh, we can walk around with uh, imposter syndrome and all kinds of stuff. And just a little cute little sidebar as I was waiting to connect with you and coming down to the office, getting ready for today. My self-talk was saying, well, what she's going to ask me today? Is she going to ask any piercing questions I can't answer? And I said, what? <laughs> so I had to tell my own self-talk to shut up. You got this. You wrote, you wrote a good book. You know this. So just relax. <laughs> That's just how crazy it is. I mean, I'm not immune to self-talk at all. And I don't think anybody is. But it's just the awareness you have of what that brain is telling you. And is it lying to you? And I would say... Portions of time, it is lying to us. And that's where we need to get uh, to the bottom of how do I get my brain to tell the truth? And now I think that's because of my coaching experience. I've learned to ask good questions. Like, what tells you that Meg's going to ask you a stupid question or something that I can't answer? Nothing told me, but that's what my self talk was telling me. Does that make sense to you? It does make sense. And I know that one of the powerful things about self talk is that it tends to run under the radar. It becomes so much a part of the fabric of who we are that 
one of the things that makes it difficult to counter is tuning into the fact that it's even there. So how would you recommend that people begin to raise awareness of what that automatic negative thought is that might be going through their brain and already kind of processed and being acted on before they're even aware of the fact that it was there? Yes. Good question. In my book, I describe there's two kinds of self-talk. There's the internal and there's the external. And I think the external is even harder to recognize. The internal, if you pay attention to your self-talk, you can begin to figure out a pattern of what's actually being said and is it true, those kinds of things. But in my book, I talk about these ants, which is automatic, automatic negative thoughts. I wish I could say I was original of that, but that came from Daniel Ammon, who is a psychiatrist and neurologist. And he comes up with these ants. And I came up with the same ants where, where Daniel left off is he did not share how to exterminate the ants. Um, and so that's what I talk about in my book. When I was in Florida living for a period of time, I learned very quickly about these red ants that I didn't know. No one told me they were there. But one day I was standing on a mound of ants and all of a sudden I felt this burning on my legs and there's little red. Oh, they're vicious. Oh, they're vicious. We have them in Texas too. They're horrible. I know. So until you become aware of the automatic negative thoughts, a different kind of ant, Mm -hmm. uh, then you um, start to make some adjustments. One of the things that I hear from my clients um, is the guilt beating ant. And that's, that should, I, I must, I need to, I need to call my mother. I should call my mother. And so I let my coaching come into my own aunts and ask the question, well, what would happen if you don't call you? What would happen if you do call your mother? Those kinds of questions, open-ended questions are always important. There's this mind reading thing that I heard uh, this week from someone that wasn't one of my clients. I was just out into the neighborhood doing some shopping for some wine and, um, this woman said, I'm going to ask our boss tomorrow to go on vacation. This woman immediately said, a colleague or friend said, I can tell you exactly what your boss, our boss is going to say. You're not going to be allowed to go on vacation. And that's that mind reading. Right. right. And the question again would be, how do you know? Uh, what tells right. you? Probably nothing. But I decide I'm not their coach or their friend. Yeah, you didn't step into that conversation. Yeah. What's the, the evidence that leads you yeah. to believe? Yes. Yeah. So you talked a little, let's let's do a little bit deeper dive into the difference between internal self-talk and external self-talk, because we talked about it, but we didn't really kind of yeah. make the distinction. Good, good. Thank you. Well, an external uh, self-talk is, as I said, harder to grasp and understand. Usually it's spontaneous. Um, and it comes out of our mouth uh, even before we, we think about what we're saying. So when I was sitting in a meeting with some hospital um, personnel and the meeting was done, this woman said, well, that was a waste of my time. And I was her external self-talk just, just came out. She didn't realize that the rest of us sitting around heard her. We turned around and looked. She said, oh, excuse me, I didn't even say that out loud. Well, she couldn't stop it. It was just her external uh, self-talk uh, sharing. The internal self-talk is, I think, a little bit easier to understand the internal self-talk 
talks to us in ways that we would not allow anybody else in our life to talk to us. It's often something from the past, uh, something, a parental thing that we grasped onto. Uh, it could be uh, a parent-child kind of uh, communication going on. It just happens, and it, it happens all the time. And so I have taught my automatic negative thoughts to question everything that I hear going on in my brain. And that comes from asking a couple of questions uh, before I open my mouth, like the external self-talk. Before that happens, I ask myself what I call the emotional intelligence filter. This doesn't need to be said. Does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said by me now? Those three questions, uh, my clients have said, that's the best thing I've ever shared with them. And I use it myself in my marriage and other places. I work with people. Of course, said can be um, reinterpreted as, does this tweet need to be sent? Does the email need to be sent? Sent by me? Right. I even use it for work or time management. Do I need to be doing this? Do I need to be doing this now? And it just helps to rearrange my life in a healthier way. Love that. And we're going to double click on those because I guarantee you there's some people trying to write that down going, what were those questions? So it's, does it need to be said or done or written? But does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Correct. Does it need to be said now? Yeah, by me now. By by me now. Those are, you know, sort of a a ruler or a measuring stick that you can use Mm -hmm. in helping to determine just how helpful is this information going to be? Yes. It saves a lot of embarrassment and going back and having to apologize because something came out of your mouth or you you had a maybe the hijack or some sort of impulsive thing. Mm -hmm. So if this filter comes on to your, that's how I use my self-talk as a coach, Don, you need to say this. It doesn't need to be said by you now, those kinds of things. And that's, I use it in my marriage at least once a week. And I'm sure your wife appreciates it. Yes. She doesn't know, but I'm sure she appreciates it. (laughs) (laughs) We know that she appreciates it. So, you know, when we realize that many times the messages within us, whether they're considered your model of the world, whether they're considered your aunts, whether, you know, the lens that you're looking through, those have been taught. And they've become, like I said earlier, sort of woven into the fabric of who we are. That doesn't mean that they can't be teased out and we can't look at them and and make different choices. But when you are talking with people who are like, this is just kind of, I've always thought this, or this is just always the way that it's been. How do you, or you might say that to yourself, what's a good way to maybe challenge that a little bit? We'll be back to my interview with Dr. Don Booz right after this. So let me ask you this. What is the story that you're telling yourself about your ability to bring coaching into the world? Are your aunts stomping all over your dreams of attracting the perfect clients to work with you? Are you spinning and full of stories about what you can't do and what you don't know? Well, you're not alone. 82% of coaches who try to build a thriving business on their own fail. It is hard work. 
And that hard work is exactly what we address in the Star Coach community so that you're not alone, so that you have the support you need to create the kind of impact that you want and to make the kind of income that you need. You don't have to go alone. Go to starcoachshow.com and explore the community. We have a wonderful group who is waiting to welcome you. Go to starcoachshow.com and explore the community. Now, let's get back to my interview with Dr. Don Booz. So you're saying that they hear, it's, they think a certain way, and that's the way they've always it's thought. It's always, always the way I've thought, but yeah. maybe it's not serving them so well anymore, right. or maybe it's, you know, there's no evidence to support it. Well, that's exactly what you said. What? How's that working for you? <laughs> <laughs> that thinking and that imposter syndrome, whatever you have going on, that's where you've always been. Is that way? Is that way you want to continue with the rest of your life? Continue to think that way and have these reactions and those kinds of things. So, if we ask ourselves questions, I think we get, uh, and the tougher the question, we get better answers. And how's that working? That's a good question. What would happen if you didn't think that way? Do you need to do this now? Those kinds of questions, uh, I think, are good filters to help people mm-hmm. become self aware and to move into a better place and to be their best selves, quite right. frankly. One of my favorite questions to ask myself and clients is, and what else could be true? Yes. Tr- so, because, you know, we're making it up. Our, yeah. our beliefs are, yeah. you know, our, our choices, our things were, so what else could be true? And I'm willing to bet for any given scenario, any number of things could be true, especially if we're basing it on assumption yeah. or a long held belief that to your point might not be serving us anymore. Correct. And i I'm a teaching coach, and I would say, what tells you that that's true? I mean, what evidence do you have? And how do you know for sure that that's what someone else is thinking or that's what you want to do? Those kinds of things. I think we just ignore so many subtle things around our life that give us some sort of uh, intuition that this isn't working, change. You know, the French, I was a, forget his name. I think his name is Roe, a speaker, said, you are the five basic people. You're the average of five basic people, your friends in your life. And that's where I, I think we need to look. Do I want to be like them? What they are thinking and how they are working through their issues. Love that. The other thing that you touched on earlier is that we feel a certain way because of the beliefs that we're, we're thinking. So as we're raising awareness about what was that thought that flew through my mind under the radar, and now I'm left with these feelings, I will sometimes challenge my clients, you know, to actually go back to the moment that the feeling came. And what was what was the thought that went through your mind? Because if we don't like the way we're feeling, we need to change the thoughts that we're thinking. And I guess, how often do you find that people, even ourselves don't realize that we have power in that area. We have power to change that inner critic. Well, that's that's an excellent question. And one that I think most of us struggle with from time to time. I teach two things. First of all, what are your emotional triggers? And if you pay attention, you can sort of tell that it's 
that's going to be an emotional trigger. And then the, after it's triggered, what is the emotional audit I can go through? How do I audit myself? What was I thinking? Self-talk or whatever. And when did I lose control or say something was inappropriate? So that time where we are becoming more aware of ourselves, I know that when um, just being very transparent, if someone asks me a question, they want my advice, and then they interrupt me when I'm giving that advice, that's an emotional trigger. And I can feel it sometimes in my body. I'm getting pissed off or I'm feeling a little bit anxious or I want to walk away from this person or be sarcastic or some other thing. So I, what I do is I, what I call pre-program myself before I go into a meeting or a situation. Now, I know this person is going to be there. And this is how they function. This is how they run their meetings. I need to deep breathe, which, by the way, I think is a godsend that we're finally finding out about and using to deep breathe three times deeply, and that helps to calm down the amygdala and getting a little bit anxious and doing something or saying something stupid. So I love that couple. It's interesting because I was going to ask you, can you give an example of an emotional trigger? And boom, you did it before I even asked you. But that concept of if we know we're walking into a situation with a particular person who might push our buttons or a, a... a circumstance that makes us feel maybe insecure or, I mean, like be aware of your environment and the people around you. And then like Don said, how can we prep? So let's do some deep breathing. Let's set an intention for how we're going to be. Let's, you know, think about the fact that I'm going to have internal self-talk and let's make sure it doesn't come out externally if, if, because does it need to be said by me? Does it need to be said by me right now? You know, that whole concept. So if you have a toolbox ready, knowing that you are going to have, we all have, I've yet to meet any person in the face of the earth that doesn't have any inner critic voice. Have you met anyone who doesn't? Not if they're honest, no. (laughs) So respond to what you were saying. That's a good point. I think many of us, my son-in-law and daughter work with a big institution and they wake up in the morning thinking about the meetings that they don't want to go to or the people that they don't want to be with or the problem that they had from yesterday. It's still lingering. It's those kinds of things that we, we carry with us uh, and we had no mechanism to, to get out of that. So I think meditation and deep breathing helps to get rid of some of that, but also to pre-program yourself is very key in my thinking to I'm going into this meeting. This is how I want to present myself because we have, we're all big energy field. I mean, we can right. tell someone's upset in a, in a meeting. So if, if we can present ourselves before we get there in the way we want to be there, uh, we act to become it. So that's how I, I view that. Love that. And we all have that capability. So it, it takes some pre thought, but knowing that, we have the ants marching around inside us, knowing that there are going to be certain circumstances where our buttons are more exposed, our triggers are ready to be pulled, then we can be that much more aware. And then as we were talking about before, the more we can do this and we can sort of own our own awareness and our own journey, we're going to be that in a much better place to partner with anybody else who's trying to kind of walk through this as well. Correct. 
I agree 100%. Love that. When you, you know, you had uh, in our pre-interview, we had talked about the fact that you work with some very successful women in the medical field who end up having lots of imposter syndrome. And you're interested. I, I interviewed a, a doctor who also works with high-powered women in the medical field who struggle with imposter syndrome. And I'm just wondering, what are you kind of seeing from, and I don't know if it's a male-female thing, but I'm just wondering from your experience, what what theory you might have about, you know, women in the medical field kind of struggling with imposter syndrome? Well, the medical field almost promotes that, especially with women. And I, that's just from my experience in working with nurse directors and nurse managers. And it's not just doctors or just men, it's people in positions who, I mean, it's a, it's a tough position to be in in the medical field because you're caught between the patients and you're caught between administration and uh, doctors and physicians. And so it's easy, I think, to to capture an imposter syndrome. And one of the big things is to be aware of what that is, because I do trainings on imposter syndrome. What does the imposter syndrome do in your life and how do you how do you see it? And you might one client said, she's always waiting for the other foot to drop. Even if she's given a compliment by a doctor or whatever, she's waiting for the other foot to drop and there was something negative to put down her her activities and her skill set. So, so she never really feels safe or never, really oh, feels accepted. That's the word she uses. I'm never safe in this position I'm in. I come to work, I her anxiety picks up the minute she gets out of the car. It gets higher when she walks through the double doors and then she walks up to the unit where she's in charge of. Just extreme anxiety. And so we have to work on that, figuring out, okay, I understand you you have the imposter syndrome, but where does it hit you most? And what what are the emotional triggers? Is it a nonverbal? It can be a smirk from one doctor that just sends her off. But to get into my NLP training, that comes from an anchor somewhere in her life. That smirk, that behavior was anchored in something else. And it can be anchored in the present day too. In other words, a doctor can yell at her or something. So every time she sees that doctor, she has anchored, this is who he is, and this is the emotions I feel whenever I see him. And so she tries to avoid him, uh, which is a little bit hard to do, but she does. So I think being aware of the imposter syndrome, how that works and where does that come from is the place we start. Once we find that, that information out, then we figure out, okay, how can we alter our behavior? Whether it's uh, affirmations that we listen to, which I subscribe to. I have made affirmations for women uh, nurses to read mm-hmm. and to hear on their uh, voice when they're coming uh, to work. Uh, Shad Helm Center has done a lot of good work on this and has some recordings that you can buy. And of course, one woman says, I, I hear Shad Helm Center's voice and my voice all the time in her head, which helps her to get through some of this imposter syndrome because she hears me say, you know, you might be this, but you're also so much more. And that's where people need to be aware of that. I'm not who some people think I am. I'm so much more. I'm not going to allow somebody, uh, they use different words, to put me down and make me feel inferior. 
I have training. I have common sense. It's not a mistake. It's not the end of the world. I mean, those kind of things, that self-talk that helps the person move beyond that. Sort of anchoring into the reality rather than all the stories that we can tell ourselves. Exactly. So as we think about the fact that our brain does lie to us, the beliefs are not truth all the time. And we really want to be able to silence that critic. You had talked about some basic tools. And I want to rehash those tools as we wrap up our time together today. The latest tool you just talked about was affirmations. So creating affirmations, whether you buy them, whether you look them up, whether you create them yourself and say them to yourself out loud, affirmations is one tool. What's another tool? Well, we don't want to forget about meditation. What Um, would be the benefits of that? Well, it just calms everything down. Um, It keeps our blood pressure down. It helps us to be more calm throughout the day. There are all kinds of uh, resources for meditation. Uh, you know, one way is just to focus on your breath. I teach uh, four, seven, eight uh, breathing. Um, and that's uh, very helpful for people. Uh, gets immediate results. Breathe in the count of four slowly, hold to seven and breathe out to eight and do that four times. You can breathe at a meeting that's contentious or you you don't want Mm -hmm. to be at, and that immediately calms you down. And that's a form of, I think, meditation. Absolutely. So uh, to meditate, a lot of people say, well, you know, I can't meditate, things like that. Well, you can. It's just a matter of training yourself. Uh, You can allow those uh, thoughts and self-talk and everything to come through your mind and just let go of it and focus again on your breath. Some people like to listen to music. Some people just want silence. It's all a personal preference. I have used both and found both to be quite effective. So the meditation and the breathing, that combination, I think, is a very powerful way of getting through many things in our life. And another that I enjoy, and I'm wondering if if you've had any experience with clients or yourself, journaling. I think for Uh, some people, the concept of journaling, even keeping track of What are those automatic negative thoughts that I'm beginning to identify? And then once we identify those, we can say, and what else could be true? So I'm going to sound stupid if I speak out in the meeting. Well, what else could be true? You know, I might add something that nobody else thought of or what. So, so being able to identify. And I know for some people, actually that longhand writing Mm -hmm. is almost meditative, you know, getting, getting thoughts, just a free flow of thoughts out. Yes, there's research that supports that. The cursive writing helps to uh, calm people down and everything else. I'm glad you mentioned journals. I don't know why I overlooked that. I journal every day. But I keep a gratitude journal, uh, which I think helps to move me into the more positive things that I tend to overlook. And I tell my clients, if you don't want to write a gratitude journal, at least say at the end of the day, here are three things I did well today. The other thing, speaking of tools, if I could throw this in, I teach clients how to do mirror work. M-I-R-R-O-R? That's correct. Okay. To stand in front of the mirror every night and every morning and tell yourself that I love you. You did a great job today. I like the way you handled this. And to look at yourself in the eyes, in the mirror, and use words that are affirming. 
and don't bring in anything that's negative or I don't like the way you did this. And it helps you to get through another day, I think. I have clients who started this and they couldn't do it without crying uh, because they don't tell themselves that they're special and that they're so much more and those kinds of things. No, we're so quick to say things to ourselves that we would never say to another human being in the negative. And I love the mirror work, standing and just really affirming yourself with gentle, kind, affirming statements. That's kind of brings tears to my eyes thinking about it. And then, it's still hard for me. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing! What what great tools! And then, of course, let's repeat those three questions that we use to to uh, control our external inner dialogue. Questions: Does it need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? And does it need to be said by me now? And said can be tweeted, emailed. Does the email need to be said by me now? Anything you can substitute for it. Well, I just think that those three questions right there, if they were used more globally, who knows how much better world peace would be, right? So, um, (laughs) so helpful. Anything that you want as we wrap up our time together today, Anything that we left laying on the table about this whole concept of paying attention to our inner critic and our limiting beliefs? Well, I never thought that my thinking was so important until I became a coach and listened to other people as they thought and expressed themselves. And now I'm even, as an NLP practitioner, aware of the words we use, how important words are, you know, the shoulds and those kinds of things how important pronouns are. So I think a combination of what we say, what we think, uh, to work on that on a daily basis is going to get us further down the road to health. I love that. Thank you so much. If people want to know more about you, we're going to have links to connect with you in the show notes. Once again, your book, Your Brain is Lying, How to Silence Your Inner Critic. Dr. Booz, thank you so much for spending time with me today talking about this very important topic that we all would benefit from paying more attention to. My pleasure. Thank you. So what are you going to do with your ants? I hope you're able to crush them. If you want to know more about Dr. Don Booz and the work that he does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 328, starcoachshow.com slash 328. Pick up the links to connect with Dr. Booz. And my conversation with Don continues in the membership community. If you'd like to know more about that, you can also pick up a link for that at starcoachshow.com slash 328. Next week, I welcome Dr. Marsha Reynolds back to the show. She did an early episode with me around emotional intelligence. This time, we're diving into her spectacular book, Coach the Person, Not the Problem. This is a must-listen episode, and I look forward to seeing you next week for that. And until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your leading success, your coaching success, your engaging success. Have a wonderful week. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.